You're listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest this week is retired Lieutenant Colonel Richard Santiago. Rich is the Director of Global Finance Operations and the Chief Financial Officer at the U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command. He's had 33 years of leadership experience, including 25 years of active military service. He's also got a PhD in leadership and business management, and he has spent over 10 years of multicultural experience while living and working abroad. Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And of course, before we start anything else, thank you for all of your time and service to our country. Now, what is your fun fact? Aside from what wouldn't be fun in 33 years of military service, there's going to be tons of fun in the Army. What's your fun fact? Well, it is I travel and live in 14 different countries. I was born in Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. joined the military, and traveled to the U.S. From the U.S., I traveled to work to Iraq one year, Afghanistan almost one year, Saudi Arabia two years, Hungary, Bosnia, another year, Germany, five years, and I can go on and on. But in that time, I have the opportunity to work with over 20 NATO partners. And during these interactions, I met a lot of individuals that were bicultural. They have learned their home country culture as well as a second culture, and they were also, many of them, bilingual. So it kind of emphasized in me the importance of speaking and communicating effectively across cultures in the workplace. That's amazing. I mean, 14 countries in, I don't even know how many years, but that's not even including the travel. That's just where you had to live and work. Right. So you must have gone through a passport book a year at that point. It's an awful lot of extra pages. What's the most uncommon country you've ever been to where people go, that's a place? I didn't know that was a place. I will say out of the one that I travel, people question the most, the Saudi Arabia. Mm, Okay. So one they've heard of. But it's just a different culture. Sure. And they're like, are you going to Saudi Arabia to work? Yeah. And it was a great experience. I, I had the opportunity it. to work with the Saudi American Bank. I was huh. the liaison officer wow. for the Saudi American Bank. So I worked with them very closely. I'll bet you did. That must have been an incredible experience. It was for two years. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So that's a whole different conversation. We can go down another time. But for now, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. What is your 30-second elevator pitch? So as you mentioned, I work at the U.S. Army Intelligence Security Command. This is INSCOM. INSCOM conducts global and security operations. Mm-hmm. I am their CFO. I manage over 
40 individuals while providing financial management support to over 17,000 individuals located in 180 locations in 45 countries. I oversee the travel program, civilian pay, audit, accounting, and most importantly, I oversee the leading of digital transformations, which includes the modernization of business systems. That's all? That's all you take care of? I mean, you could finish that by lunch, right? That doesn't sound like a very full day at all. Oh, my goodness. So 117,000 peoples and 180 locations in 40, how many countries? 45. 45 countries around the world. Oh, my goodness. That is quite the mouthful. And going to keep your calendar pretty full, I'm guessing. So in doing all of this, since most people can't keep one country and culture straight, and you're dealing with dozens and hundreds at the same time, I would imagine there's a lot of opportunity for misconception, misperception, miscommunication. What's something that you wish that more people understood about your role, about your organization or your industry? And most importantly, what's your personal role in changing this perception? I would say I wish more people understood how my role as a chief financial officer have changed. Now the army is having three major initiatives. One, ongoing digital transformation. Two, managing the growing multicultural force. Three, transforming traditional finance operations to future finance operations. Mm. As a CFO to lead this initiative, I'm required to be a change agent Mm. and a strategist. Mm. And just to give you the backstory, back in 2020, Inscom became the test site for digital transformation. We implemented a enterprise resource planning system. This system has a 70% or more failure rate. Wow. In your organization or just historically, you know, in other historically. Okay. Now, why would something that big have such a big failure rate? Because it requires new technology, learning a new system, learning a new role, and it changes responsibility across the organization. So let me just make sure I'm understanding. It's not that within your organization, there's that kind of failure rate, but that sort of universally out there for any sort of change that's this big on a digital construct, that a number of organizations fail to implement it successfully because it requires such massive buy-in and sea change effectively. And if the organization doesn't do that right the system can't succeed. It's not that there's a problem with the system itself. It's just that organizations don't implement correctly. It's just challenging process. And the way I find out the 70% failure rate, I started to do research as I was implementing because Mm. it was complex, a lot of efforts. And I learned that it was a 70% failure rate and organizations that implementing this digital transformation as a change management had 90% or more of success. Mm, okay. So this is why 
my cheerful role became a change agent role because mm. I started to address the implementation as a global change management effort. And in the same process, I became the strategist as I had to figure out how the organization is going to implement this new ERP. Okay, and ERP stands for? Enterprise Resource Planning System. Got it. We want to make sure everybody's clear on the alphabet soon. So we and- implemented this Enterprise Resource Planning System, but the actual name of the system that was implemented was the General Fund Enterprise Business System for Sensitive Activities. <laughs> it's called GFIPS SA. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes. Acronyms galore. So what I'm hearing is that people need to understand that your role as CFO is not just about balance sheets and P&Ls and things. It is really massive change management leader and strategist in order to make sure that these big changes can take root and be part of that 90% success rate group instead of that 70% failure group. Correct. So what happening not only in the army, if you look at the private sector, yeah. the roles of the CFOs are also changing. Mm. Uh, the knowledge of systems and financial is enabling CFOs to become the change agent and strategies during digital transformations. Amazing. Amazing. That's a lot to take on the digital transformation strategist on top of all the financial stuff. So what is your role then in changing this perception aside from just doing the job? Well, the way I tried to change this perception was I developed the global change management framework for the organization. And I started to not only communicate, but to demonstrate how change agents perform in the organization while implementing these efforts. For example, one, I communicated my change agent and a strategist role to all the stakeholders, okay. meaning internally and externally. Communicated vision, timelines, guidelines during staff meetings, presentations, and individual interactions. I had to build coalitions externally and internally. Externally, I had to work with the headquarters, Department of the Army, Defense Finance and Accounting Services, System Support Operations. All these offices are outside my organization. Sure. And then I also had to build coalitions inside the organization. So did I understand correctly that part of your role in changing this perception is quite literally to just tell people that, yes, I'm CFO, but understand we are undergoing this major digital transformation and I am the head of the digital transformation as well. I will be spearheading this project. I am the key leader in this. So it's not just about the finances. It's the digital transformation as well. Just to tell people explicitly, make those announcements and drive that point home. Is that correct? That is correct. When you get the digital transformation and you take how to integrate the multicultural workforce Mm. and the opportunity to enhance financial operations, 
I have to take all this initiative, frame it, and ensure that we can execute without impacting the ongoing global intelligence and security operation. Yeah, amazing. So I think that that's enormous. One easy takeaway that I hear for a lot of people is almost because it's simple, we tend to overlook the simple things. And it's that when there's a change of responsibility, we need to tell people. Whether you put it in emails, whether you mention it at the beginnings of meetings, whether it gets, I'll use the term evangelized or socialized or how, whatever label you want, we have to remind people. We have to say these things to people, whether you say it yourself to others about you or you make sure that other people working for you are reinforcing this message explicitly. We have to tell people out loud, explicitly, specifically, multiple times over for them to get it through their heads. We can't just assume we mentioned it once and they remembered it and understand it because, let's face it, most people's attention span and memory alike are equally short. So we need to keep reminding them of this if we expect them to understand it, process it retain it and respond accordingly. Am I on target? Yes, you are on target. And other things that I have to do with, we need to gather resources Mm. because this is a digital transformation. You have to look, do I have enough computers? Do I need to get more computers? Sure. Do I need to get more resources? And how do you manage the challenges that come with the new system when it doesn't work? Or... People are learning. So have to centralize the team to manage all the problems in my office. Yes. So every time somebody have a question or a problem, I ask them to call my office and we will figure out if this is you that may need more training or this is a real problem. And then we took the responsibility to work with external organizations Mm. to figure out what the solution was. Well, it sounds like you've done an amazing job of successfully communicating these changes to people. Tell me about a time when you thought you did a great job of explaining something only to realize that was not the case. Well, I was in a resource manager conference. Okay. And again, I'm here being the CFO change agent, and I wanted to communicate that the financial management leadership across DOD was emphasizing leadership skills. Okay. I thought I was doing a great job, and I realized that the audience was looking to me a little bit confused. <laughs> okay. And what caused that confusion? Good for you for having the, the emotional intelligence to read those nonverbal cues and recognize that, that blank stare that we get sometimes. So what happened? Well, what happened is the audience, I work in finance, right? Mm-hmm. So our traditional responsibilities are centered in budget execution, controls, compliance, and transactions. And I'm here trying to explain the importance of leadership. So, Mm. I mean, budget execution, controls, and compliance, those are important things. They're critical. Sure. What I was trying to communicate is we also need leadership, but Mm. there was a gap. I was on the leadership level Okay. And a lot of the people in the audience 
were non-supervisors also. So I have a technical audience, non-supervisory audience, and I'm here trying to explain the importance of leadership. So I had a little of a gap. Yes, yes. And that's so challenging sometimes. We don't realize exactly when there's a mixed audience, how to find that balance to meet the needs of both groups or of both extremes or of everybody along the curve, so to speak. But I can imagine that would be a little bit confusing if they were expecting more technical instruction and instead got leadership advice. But who knows what nuggets some of them will have taken away and how they got inspired for future jobs. So we hope we planted some seeds, right? So Tell me about a time when you allowed yourself to be a little more emotionally vulnerable with the team. How did it impact your relationship moving forward? I did that with my high-performance diverse team. Okay. I have a multicultural, cross-functional team, mm-hmm. which is the one responsible to help me manage the global digital transformation. Mm-hmm. They're also responsible for civilian pay providing technical support, training support, audit, and they do a lot of the business process re-engineer. They're my trusted advisors because they work with me all the time for the digital transformation. And the digital transformation is very complex. Sometimes you don't have enough information or you have to make decisions that might be impact the operation three or four years. So I started to share with them when I was frustrated, when I was excited, when I was just all my emotions. I was just being honest with them. And what happened is as I started to share my emotions with them, they started to trust me more. Mm-hmm. And we developed better relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we have an unfiltered conversation about my leadership skills and the impact, my emotions and the impact. Mm-hmm. So it helped me calibrate my decision to a very detailed degree because okay. as I was mentioning how I feeling, They knew where I needed some assistance, where I needed some help. And the continuous communication enabled me to make long-term decisions. I really was able to use their technical skills, their expertise, their ideas, their perceptions. And I was able to shape the global digital transformation with limited information. And sometimes high emotions. <laughs> yeah, sure. This is a good opportunity then to transition to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. Speaking of influence. So, Rich, let me invite you to speak directly to our audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I will say, I will ask three people how you can improve your communication effectiveness with them. I do believe that if you want to be a better speaker, if you want to communicate effectively, asking for feedback to the people that are communicating with you is a great way to do that. So just 
ask three people any three combinations you want, regardless of their role. The specific, simple question, what's one way in which I can communicate more effectively with you? What would be helpful? Yes? That's pretty clear and simple. Sounds very military. Here's your instructions, marching orders, ready, go. No questions, no what, that's awesome. Okay, so everybody, find three people and ask them each one simple question. How can I be a more effective communicator for you? Be really curious. Send us an email. Let us know what kind of responses you get. We'd love to know. All right, well then, what about a time when you needed to assert yourself more powerfully? How did that go? Well, a lot of work. Right. So I go back to the digital transformation. Right. We are implementing digital transformation at the global scale. And this digital transformation included audit and included data protection. We make it more difficult. Mm -hmm. Right. 70 percent or more of digital transformation fail because people resist the change. That is just the standard. It's not right, only right, with right. ours, right? Right. We Why? That. I had to learn a new system. I have sure. to learn a new process. I have a new role. People have to stop their daily operations to make time to prepare for the digital transformation. So there's a lot of resistance that I'm hearing. Part of the challenge of implementation is not just that it's there's a lot to do, but that people actively resist it. Much like with any, heck, even if you have to upgrade to the next operating system version, people don't even like that much on a computer. So I would imagine this is much larger and much more complicated with a lot more people delaying their compliance, shall we say. Yes. As you do digital transformation and you add the global aspect and you add the integration of audit efforts. Mm. When you add the integration of processes to improve data protection, it becomes very complex. Mm. So yes, yeah, so at that time, I already knew that one of the things that I needed to do it was to assert the importance of the implementation. Failure was not an option. We really needed to make progress. And so I started to assert myself while communicating the importance of the implementation while being supported by my leadership, being supported by my external coalition. Hmm. I started to develop and communicate the solutions from some of the most complex scenarios that we face with surrounding myself with subject matter experts. And surrounding yourself with the subject matter experts achieved what specifically in helping with people's compliance performance? Well, you have to have the right subject matter experts because you must develop an effective solution. Right. If you don't, and you're still moving into the new system, the operation will stop. So bringing the right solution that enable users to effectively get in the system and use it, we also bring trust, which is providing the right solutions. And what happens is at the end of the day, you start seeing progress. 
and people realize, yes, if I contact which office, they will help me to get there. Okay, so your assertiveness in this was just to kind of all different stakeholder groups in saying, look, this is not an option. Delaying, dragging your feet, resistance is not an option. We need to get on board and get on board now. And here's how we're going to do it. Bringing those experts on and having them be more assertive in promoting what they needed to do. Am I understanding correctly the various layers of the assertiveness part of this? You're right on target. When you implement something globally, my goal was to establish a team in my office at the headquarters level that was able to provide this technical expertise mm-hmm. to advise users how to use the system and also be able to find solutions to problems. Sometimes was the system and we needed to work with external organizations. But when I travel to all my locations, my units asked me to please have good tech support. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big requests. I really needed to have a good business system support team, which I do have today. Great. Yeah, I would imagine if you're going to do a system-wide ERP transition, tech support would be number one on the budget list at that point. A lot of phone calls. Yes. And tech support is one of the basic aspects, right? I needed resources. I needed the support from my leadership. My leadership gave me all the support that I needed. So when you have all that support and tech support and your leadership is enabling you to design this global change management and execute it and get resources. That's how a good digital transformation looks like. Yes, that sounds like a great model. And actually, that brings me to the idea that where, on the one hand, you needed to assert this initiative, be very direct. This is not optional. This is, you know, you get on board or get out kind of a thing. But at the same time, it can't just be all stick. There's got to be some carrot, right? As opposed to not just demanding that people comply, but also inspiring them to comply. So, Tell me about a time when you were able to really inspire people as well, not just compel them to comply under threat of something horrible happening. Where's the inspiration? When did you do that successfully? We have to listen, right? Mm -hmm. Implementing digital transformation and other initiatives require an assertion, but also the ability to listen just to make sure that you know where you are. When I needed to inspire the team, I'm going to use a different team because I also manage the travel operations and we were centralizing the travel operations, mainly moving positions that were located around the world. And we were relocating the positions in my office Mm, at the headquarters level. And many people working around the world decided not to relocate. Mm. So now I have the position in my office and we need to get somebody new to the office, which brought a lot of new people into the travel operations at headquarters. Mm, sure. That was during COVID. Oh, just to make it so, more complicated. Not to make it more complicated. So people were coming in and they were 
teleworking for several months. So when you have a new team coming in, going to work from home, they don't see each other. Yeah. The team dynamics is not there because you're new. You don't see them. So just to make sure that everybody's caught up on this, the travel communications, excuse me, travel ops was decentralized for however long. So you had agents all over the place and around the world decided to consolidate and centralize those offices to the D.C., Virginia area headquarters. But since some people did not want to relocate back to the States, those jobs then became vacancies and you had to hire new people who were going to come. But then COVID hit, so they couldn't show up anyway. So they were still remote in their work. And that's a big challenge to start a pretty new team in many ways with so many new people who can't actually see each other. Did I summarize that pretty accurately? Yes, we got lucky that we did our digital transformation and the travel centralization during COVID. Oh my goodness. Okay, so how did you inspire them through all of this? So as I am looking at the centralization and realized we were having two challenges communication effectiveness, and lack of integration. So what I decided to do is to show up to one of their technical meetings. And I started with describing my background to them so they can relate and understand that I really been in their shoes and I understand their challenges. And after they saw my background, they realized we understand our challenges. Yeah. I was short. I was honest. I was positive. I encourage them to ask questions. I encourage them to help each other and be a team, right? Because they're coming. I asked them to come back to the office from teleworking. So this was a transition into the office while having the opportunity to learn how to work as a team because it takes a little bit of time for a group of folks who are not used to work in the same location to become a team. Yes. So when they relax, I could see their smiles in their face, Mm. right? Saying, yep, I understand, Rich understand me. I told them they have my trust, they have my commitments. I will continue to give you the autonomy that you need to do your job. Yes. And it was well received because they saw me when I honestly told them, look, I have been in your shoes. This is a team effort. We are one team. And what you do is very important for our centralization of travel operations. Yeah. Keep doing a good job. I'm here for you. You have any questions, let me know. My door is open. And that honest conversation, it goes a long way. Absolutely. I mean, everything that we that that I teach and train is about mastering those three C's. And it's that ability to command the room, connect with the audience and close the deal. And that sec- what you just described is a perfect example of the second C, the connecting with the audience. How do you establish that rapport? How do you establish that mutual feeling of you understand me and I understand you? And through that shared lens, 
we can move together with commonalities and common goals. So a beautiful example of that, Rich. And to my chagrin, I think we are out of time because we could continue this conversation forever. There's at least 13 more countries worth of stories that I'm clearly missing. So we'll have to save those for another time. But um, for those who would love to continue to, to learn more about you and about the organization, where can they go to learn more, Rich? If they would like to know more about me, they can go to LinkedIn and see my profile and connect with me there. Perfect. Perfect. And it was so lovely to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your insights. Thank you for having me. And to everybody else, of course, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.